Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Over the Top Cycling in Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas, and on Skype with us from Paris, France, we have Patty George of Team Phenomenal Hope. Welcome to the show. Hey, George. Thank you. So you did uh, Race Across America a couple of years ago. You did Race Across the West this year. You did Ram as a four-person team, Race Across the West as a two-person. What got you interested in doing a Brevet, PBP? Yeah, you know, so last year or before last year when I was training for four-person RAM, I just went online and started looking for really long rides. And, um, and you know, I guess that's part of how I fell into, like, the RAM Challenge series and starting to look for other races and events. And I fell upon Paris Brest Paris and this whole other side of the sport called Random Neuring, which I'd never heard of. And. And um, this was a couple of years ago. And so I thought, well, that sounds kind of cool. And, you know, not to overuse the word, but definitely sounds epic. So I thought, well, after Ram last year, it would be really cool in the next year to, to do Paris Press Paris. It's only every four years, and it's in France. And, and so I set my sights on doing this ride. It's always, or for many years anyway, it's been a dream of mine to ride my bike in France. So this sounded like like a great way to do it. Yeah, it's interesting you say the brevets for training. I, my wife, Terry Gooch, did that before a race across Oregon a few years ago. Uh, a mm-hmm. lot of the Seattle mm-hmm. randonneurs, uh, Chris Ragsdale, Mick Walsh, they all use brevets as training for ultra racing. So I love hearing that you did that as well. Yeah, it worked out well this year because those became my really long rides to prepare for a race across the West. And when you're crunched for time, need to get some of those rides in, um, you know, test your nutrition, hydration, all of that. It worked out really well. I find it interesting because, at least in my part of the country, not as many people who are in the ultra scene know as much about the rando scene and, you know, sort of vice versa, I think. But it's, it's kind of interesting that there's not as much crossover as one would think there would be. Because they both go really far and are really kind of badass about things. <laughs> so it's nice to find find that uh, new niche. I think some of those, us, myself included, like having a crew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so what was your strategy going into it? I'm really fascinated by the logistics that uh, people use, where you wanted to sleep, when you wanted to sleep, how far you wanted to go um, prior to that. yeah. Yeah, so my goal was, I mean, my goal was to finish in under 84 hours. I entered the 84-hour time route. 
And that's the first part of the strategy because, as you know, depending on what period of time you think you can take um, puts you in a certain starting time. And I know that I'm better riding early in the morning than I am overnight. I get really, I fade in ultra races right around midnight, 2 a.m., like on the bike. So I thought, well, I'd rather start in the morning and be able to go, you know, into the night rather than if you're in the 90-hour group or 8-hour group, and I wasn't going to do that, um, and I, I can explain why I said, but um, if you were in the 90-hour group, you'd have to really, um, you have to go like literally overnight the whole first night and then into a full day, and I just, my body clock, I, I didn't want to do that. So, uh, and I also thought three days and two nights in France would be better than two nights and three days, although it ended up being three days and three nights and a little more. But So that was the first strategy, and then I just broke it into thirds and thought, well, I'll do 400, 400, 400 more or less, go a little longer to Lodiac, which a lot of rando riders have done, and then go to Brest and back to Lodiac and then, you know, finish it off. And I had set an aggressive time goal um, so that in case I had a breakdown or a mechanical, I'd have enough time to fix it. Um, and then as as it got close to the end and, and you know, issues came up, um, but I also had more time than I enjoyed it a little bit more as I was on my way back from Brest. And so, um, I mean, I enjoyed the whole thing, but I, I, I stopped a little bit more and enjoyed um, some of the French uh uniqueness of Paris Press Paris. That was kind of my strategy. I started getting nervous because you were flying at the start and then more leisurely on the back, but uh, when you're just watching the very occasional time checks that were being posted, I was like, oh no, I hope Patty's okay. Oh, yeah. No, I was fine. And what happened was I went to Ludiac and, um, you know, got there there, did, did just fine. Then out to Brest. Oh my gosh, it was so cool. We went up you go over this mountain, and it's an awesome climb, and that was fun. And coming back from Brest, I was in this group of Spaniards, and um, three men from Catalan, and um, we were working together in this insane pace line going up and over the mountain and just, like, flying. It was my favorite stage by far. It was so fast. And we came down this mountain, and I actually flew most of the way into Ludiac, although we slowed down for the next section to Ludiac. But it was really, really cool. It was surreal because it's going into the night, and I'm hearing these men speak this beautiful Spanish language ahead of me. And I can understand a little bit, but it's I'm, I'm sort of in and out with understanding. And it's just this surreal evening of a very smooth pace line, like smoother than I'd ever been in, and just very fluid and beautiful. It was awesome. And then the next day, um, I felt good, but going into the night the, the next day, my feet were killing me, like killing me. I had really bad hot foot, so I, I did slow down a lot towards the latter part of the night. I knew I would finish, but I slowed down a bunch and just got my way to um, to the Montana Perche, where, where I started out sleeping on the pavement, and then it started raining, so I went into to the dorm and I uh, got a couple hours and overslept by an hour but it didn't matter and then and then I was fine the next day like you just sometimes when the hot foot's so bad just taking a few hours off it goes away or it gets a lot better so and there were never any yeah, times you that. thought oh I wish I had that cushion of the 90 hour start no I don't think so I mean going out there 
I was kind of hauling a little bit. Well, for me, but just because um, I didn't know. Like, you, even though you plan it, and you, I had a spreadsheet that I wasn't that particular about. I just had a spreadsheet going in to make sure I could finish it. Um, and I was I was staying on task more or less, and then so I felt like I was okay. And once I got to breast, I was like, okay, I'll be able to finish. That'll be fine. And um, I no, I never really wanted wanted to to do the 90-hour time slide. I was okay. And then you start passing some of the 90-hour people or catching up to them. Um, and I guess I felt okay at that point. But. You're listening to Over the Top Radio. We're in Boulder, Colorado. Be sure to check us out on social media, our Facebook page, Over the Top Cycling, Instagram, Over the Top Cycling. On Twitter, we are Over the Top Bike. Not, uh, the name cycling is a little too long for the uh, Twitter handle, handle, so Over the Top Bike. And check us out on our webpage, overthetopradio.net. And you can download us on iTunes or the Acast app. We're visiting with Patty George, who's Skyping in from Paris. She just finished the Paris Breast Paris Brevet. Patty, what was it like normally in an ultra race? You're out there alone. I mean, you occasionally see other competitors. This, you had mm-hmm. 750 miles of people cheering you from the side of the road, cyclists coming to and from. Uh, again, you were just talking about this amazing pace line you got into, meeting new people out during the, the ride. What was yeah. that like? I mean, it sounds amazing. It, it is so cool. So that's that. there are two things that come to the very top of my mind is like the awesomeness of Paris Paris Paris. first is it's truly international like it is such a cool experience you each day I was running into groups of people you know going through all these stages through these control checkpoints and each time you kind of fall into a group of people one of the first guys I was riding with was a Russian who didn't speak any English I speak no Russian and so we couldn't communicate, um, you know, the usual ways, but we worked together and, you know, you could tell we were both enjoying the ride. And then I fell into a group with three Englishmen from North London, just uh, really fun guys. And there's one point where we're pace lining behind this large tractor, like until the tractor could move on, which was awesome. And, you know, you're just like chatting and meeting people from all over the world. And, um, Canada, you know, Japan, China, um, Spain, as I mentioned, France. Then one morning, morning out of Lodiac, I'm riding with an Englishman who lives in Paris and is a Paris and is a French translator, and his friend who's French and runs a bike shop in Paris. And the three of us are pace, you know, working together and pedaling off each other's legs. It was just that is just so. So cool, and you're never alone, really, on the course. Sometimes we're a very short stretch, but you always fall, fall into somebody. And the Germans, and I mean, it was just so cool. And then the second part are the people not on the bikes, but the fact that like riding your bike in France is amazing because a French people, I guess in general, very much embrace cycling in a way that we're not used to get in the in the United States, and b Paris, Paris, Paris is a big event for all these towns along the route. And like, like you said, these people are coming out and um, I call it PVP tailgating. You know, it's like French tailgating along the side of the road. Half of the time they're out there offering you water and coffee or a little bread or cake or something to keep the cyclists going. 
And other half of the time, there might be like this little stand set up, and they're selling frites and you know sandwiches and just and and they're there at midnight with a whole. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. People um, and uh, drinking beer and wine, and sometimes cyclists are <laughs> drinking beer and wine on the ride. I mean, it's just so cool. And you know, you try and communicate back and forth. Uh, my French is almost non-existent, really. But you know, you just you still somehow communicate, and these people are just amazing and just full of such kindness. It's so cool. Like, if anybody ever gets a chance to do PVP, should definitely do it. It's it's quite an experience. Now, we want to have you as a guest on our women's show coming up in the near future, but could you tell us a little bit about Phenomenal Hope and how cycling has been your platform to get your message out about that? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, team Phenomenal Hope, uh, we started out as a team competing in RAM last year, for women team, and grew to an endurance team. And what we are is a, an endurance team. Uh, athletic team, an ultra team that's out there raising awareness about a disease called pulmonary hypertension, um, which is a lung disease that makes people short of breath and has several treatments, but still overall no cure. Sometimes leads to the need for lung transplant, heart failure, etc. And so we're out there using these events where you're pushing yourself, making your short of breath, making yourself short of breath, making your heart pound um, in, uh, in community with with the pulmonary hypertension community, and it's been a real privilege because uh, um, we're out there raising awareness. The PH community, patients around the country, um, some are following us and cheering us on, and you know we feel very much connected to our cause and our, our people um, through these events. So um, we're of course raising awareness as well as funds to find a cure, and um, and that's that's a little bit about what we do. Um, there's more information course at our website which is teamphenomenalhope.org. Now I think it's important that people know you are a physician and that you actually started this team and uh, that's yes. very admirable that you make the time to do everything that you do. Thank you. Yeah it's um, I find that cycling and this team and I am a I am a lung doctor I take care of patients with pH um, and so my pastime of cycling and this charity nonprofit fuels my passion at work and vice versa. So for me, it's this incredibly uh, awesome privilege to be able to do these things. Now, back to cycling. 
Yeah. PBP just sounds so incredible. Is that going to be on your uh, calendar in the coming years? I, you know, I wouldn't say it isn't. I, I, it's, it's a lot to get over here, you know, expense-wise, time-wise. This year, the cards definitely fell into place. But, um, man, I can see why people do it year after year for sure. Um, it really is a cool event. It really is. There's some people, George, who've done this like four or five, five, six times, and that's every four years. So they've been cycling for like 20 years doing this event. Um, so who knows? Maybe I will return and do it because uh, it was really, really special. You know, it kind of gives you a new uh, viewpoint or respect for the Europeans who come over to the United States to do an ultra event where they have to have a crew and vans and all of that. Oh, for sure. We were, my folks and I, my parents are over here with me actually. And, um, we were saying, we were talking about that very thing. You know, for this, I, I really learned how to travel overseas with my bicycles. The first time I've ever had to do it and set it up in my small, um, you know, Paris hotel room. And, and, uh, yeah, I definitely have a great appreciation for that. Now I can only imagine with the crew and all the extra stuff, um, and the cost that must go into European teams competing in round. Now, what type of gearing were you using on your bike, and how many clothes, bags, were you out riding with panniers? How did you carry everything? I went really light, um, so I I end up, you know, I don't have a randonneur bike, like a steel frame classic, you know, rando bike, so I used my bike that I've used in Ram, which is a Cervelo S5 team bike, um, and I, I had carbon wheels on it, because those are the most honestly the most comfortable wheels I had zip 303s di2 shifting so like battery operated shifting so all of this was a little bit of an extra stress because random your bikes is as you probably know a lot of times they have, have that you know what is it dynamo hub and you don't have to worry about batteries and they're very self-sufficient and this this and here I am coming in with my ram bike well lo and behold other people have that kind of stuff here too but I, you know this little voice in me is like is the battery gonna last I'm gonna be okay so there was that, and then um, my my folks were here, and so we registered their vehicle as a crew vehicle. Now, crewing in PDP is not like crewing in an ultra race. In fact, they're not really allowed on the course um, at all, except within five kilometers of the control. But if they're registered as a vehicle, they're allowed to come into the control. So I had my brightest lights, and I didn't know. I thought I might be by myself in the French countryside. So I brought my bright, bright lights. These are these Dinot lights or denote, D-I-N-O-T-T-E. Uh -huh. So I had this headlight that's super bright, but it has a battery pack. Well, if you're in Europe with a battery pack, it's that was a stress, because it's like, what am I going to do? But if I went to battery-operated, I just couldn't find something that was bright enough. So we would just switch out battery packs when I'd see them and switch out my like Garmin Monkey battery so that I'd always have like a directionality to where I'm going. And, um, and then they also helped with some nutritional needs that just overall like cheerleading support which was really really special um so i would see them at you know every at many of the controls during the day and then we'd come up with a night plan and meet up the next day and um so that worked out well for me i didn't have a drop back but i had i had my my uh, family there so that helped now this is the longest solo ride that you've done correct yep yep it was uh it is it's the longest solo ride i've done and what was it like when you got past, you've done a Ram Challenge, so 400 miles? 
Yeah, so, yeah, I, it was, so you know what's surprising about all this stuff, and even in Team Ram is, you go and you pedal, and then you get to the point at an end of a shift, or an end of, like, in PvP, the end of the day, it'll been like 15 hours, and you're really sore, and feet hurt, and like, maybe the knees are even starting to get stiff, and it's like, and the hands hurt, you know, all, all the contact points are sore, that's, for me, that's what hurts, not my, my muscles don't get, I'm sure they're tired, but it's the contact points, right? And I lay down for an hour and a half, two hours, three hours, and I think to myself, am I going to be able to do this again? And what we found in team events in the past and what we find here is just that small amount of rest and recuperation. Amazingly, you get back on your bike and you still can pedal, you know? And so I guess that that always amazes me is the human body's ability to get back and do it again. And so... After the first day and into the second day, I was I was um, pleased and, and, and happy that, you know, you could just kind of keep going. This was twice the distance that I had done in any training brevet because my longest up to this was 600. So, um, yeah, you just kind of, it was, it was pretty cool. How easy was sleep for you? Because, uh, like you said, you went into a dorm room and there's a lot of people in there snoring because they're very yeah. tired. Um, any problems yeah. getting sleep? I can sleep anywhere. Okay. Uh, uh, so no, not really. Um, the first couple nights I, uh, actually split a room in Lodiac with a friend that I had met. Um, and we, we crossed paths or didn't cross paths, I guess. Um, and, uh, and then the third night I stayed in the mega dorm and, um, and the reason for the first night not doing that was because we had heard that it, there was so much congestion. You can literally wait an hour in line just to get a cot or get a spot on the floor. And so I was like, oh, I didn't know how I'd be on time. I mean, I wanted to finish. So I did that, and um, that had its own charm and character, this little place uh, in, in Ludiac with this French woman who, you know, I don't speak French, unfortunately. She she didn't speak English, but um, she she cooks me up this omelet at 1 a.m. that was phenomenal. <laughs> and then I get like two and a half hours sleep and then boom, on your bike again. Um, but anyway, that last night in the dorm, I had no problem falling asleep. Um, you see people sleeping on the side of the, the road in the grass, like in a ditch. It's crazy. I think with the sleep deprivation, people somehow find the way to sleep. How do you get around uh, the stopping mental part of this because stopping during an ultra race which is your background I mean that is just such Mm -hmm. a no-no and you know going out on a few brevets here in Colorado it was like "Ah, I can't stand getting off my bike going in having this card punched I can't imagine what it would be like to stand in line um yeah yeah I I mean I guess I'd gotten used to it part of the stopping here it was the chance to uh it was a chance to stretch my neck and do all that, but um, it was also for me in PvP. It was like a chance to experience the event, you know, and the people around it, and like the people, the French people were punching my car. So I actually kind of got excited when I was at the control. I probably spent a little too much at the con- time at the controls. I mean, if I were, I wasn't racing it per se, but um, sometimes I'd spend a little bit more time there and and just time there with my folks, but. But, um, so it was okay for me just because I wasn't in the absolute racer mindset. I, we kept an eye on time, but, um, but I wanted to also make sure that I had a little bit of recovery so that I wasn't in so much pain um, that I wouldn't finish the event. 
Sounds like you would recommend this to someone who wanted to do it. Oh, yeah. Do it. Do Paris Press Paris. It's amazing. Patricia George, thanks very much for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time to check in from Paris, France. Hey, thanks, George. My pleasure. Look forward to chatting with you again in the very near future. Sounds good. Thank you. Over the Top Cycling, Boulder, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.